I think on one hand, she's known for her conservative values, and that's translated in her leadership and her time in Alaska. But I think also for younger evangelicals, there is a hunger to see in a more exciting ticket. Um, there was kind of a ho-hum factor for McCain, but when Palin came on board, she added the vavoom that was so needed in order to garner the attention and the excitement for young evangelicals. And, and here's what's interesting, Reverend Bonkham, she's winning over church members, uh, church leaders that don't even allow women uh, to preach at the pulpit, yet she could be leading the country. What do you make of that? Well, it's interesting. The bottom line on that is people look at this ticket and their fear is that we will have Barack Obama as our president, that we will be moved toward a socialist agenda, that we would have the most radically pro-abortion candidate ever to run for president to serve in that office. And that is an untenable position for evangelicals. And so they look at this and they're trying to decide this based on what's best for the nation in the here and now, and oftentimes overlooking some of those other issues. Do, do you think that that's something that, are you saying that should be, that shouldn't be overlooked? I mean, do you think that women even in evangelical circles where women are not allowed to preach, uh, let's say Palin and McCain do win, and here you have this woman that could possibly be leading the free world, uh, and yet there's evangelicals voting for her that don't even believe that, that a woman should preach at the pulpit. Are, should, could this change the face of how evangelicals believe in the woman's role? I don't think it'll change the way evangelicals believe about women's roles. I think it's, it has sparked a discussion. And quite frankly, feminism has gained a foothold in many evangelical churches. Do you think and that's a good of, thing? No, I don't. Not at all. Why not? Uh, well, because we're about the gospel. The culture doesn't dictate truth. The gospel dictates truth. My job is not to be a political pundit or political activist. My job is to be a pastor and proclaim the truth of the gospel as clearly as I possibly can. Well, wait a minute. What about the Old Testament and, and the prophet Deborah? I mean, she was a political leader. She was a wife. She was a mother. She was one of the, the biggest forces in, in the book of Judges. So that's the gospel right there. Uh, she, she certainly was. And the fact that something happened doesn't mean that it's normative for the church. In Isaiah chapter 3, for example, one of the signs that a culture is under judgment is that women are in leadership in their nations. So Deborah was actually assigned that things were very bad in Israel, not a norm for the church. Margaret, I, I'm curious to see what you think about this and what the Reverend's saying. I think that that's a fair perspective, Vody, but I think we also need to look at Ephesians 5, which describes, you know, it's saying that husbands are to lay down their lives for their wives, just as Jesus Christ laid down his life um, for the church. And in the same way, I think Todd has done an incredible job opening up the opportunity for Palin to use the gifts and the talents and the passions that she has been given in order to make a difference in her community and possibly in our nation and world on a significant political landscape and effect. Margaret, is the reverend sounding a little sexist or is it just me? <laughs> I would have to say the reverend is, is sounding a little um, questionable there. But in the sense that I believe that everyone, um, despite gender, has an opportunity to serve, to give, and to play a role in making a difference in their communities, in their churches, and around the world. Reverend, this could be an exciting time. I mean, this could break through. We're becoming progressive in so many ways. We're seeing a black man possibly winning the presidency. We're seeing a woman here that's uh, on the Republican ticket that, that's you know rousing up uh, evangelicals uh, possibly to think twice about the woman's role in the church. I mean, this is fascinating times. They are fascinating times, and they're also frightening times. When you see Margaret Feinberg use Ephesians chapter 5, uh, which clearly says that a husband is the head of the wife in order to justify somehow with this sleight of hand that Palin's husband is laying down his life by allowing her to do that. Number one, she's playing fast and loose with the text. 
And secondly, she is also ignoring the fact that Palin's responsibility as a wife and mother is governed by scripture, not by whether we feel it's progressive in our culture. Margaret, final thought well, there. Cody, I believe that's a narrow interpretation and a boxy interpretation of the text, as well as the role of women, who in today's working families, many families in the United States need both the man and the wife in order to work outside of the home, in order to support the family, and to put that kind of burden on the family, whereby a woman must stay at home, um, I just don't think that translates into many working class families today. Hello, my name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor of Doxa Church, and this is the Doxa Dialogue, a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. So as our regular listeners know, I'm doing a series right now in the book of Judges, calling it Broken People, Faithful God. And this Sunday, I'm preaching a sermon through the story of Deborah and Barak from chapters 4 and 5. The cold open you just listened to was from a clip that aired on CNN back in 2008. And perhaps you can see just from that clip, by just listening to that, why I wanted to take the time on the podcast this week to have a breakout conversation on the women in ministry question. As I was preparing the sermon, it started taking more and more of the emphasis away from the main message of the text. And to really do this conversation justice, I thought it would be wise just to have a specific breakout conversation on why it matters. So as I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but think about our world today. And if Hollywood or Disney or pretty much anyone were to make a movie of this story, they would 100% make Deborah into a warrior. That's where we're at in 2022. She wouldn't just be smarter and wiser than all the men around her, but she would be better with the sword too. And I know I have your attention right now. Some of you are probably even thinking of Galadriel in the Rings of Power Amazon TV series. And for those of you who don't know, Galadriel in the current Rings of Power TV show is not anything remotely close to the Galadriel in The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. The Galadriel in the original work of Tolkien was incredibly powerful and noble, and she led through wisdom and her character, just like we see Deborah leading in this text. But that's not the character we have in the modern adaptation of Tolkien's work. Because the modern adaptation is a self-described reflection of our times. So they had to turn Galadriel into a warrior. And if you're starting to get a little offended right now because you love this TV show, please just listen to my point. I haven't even watched the show and I've read enough to know that it's not for me. But this is my point, and it's my point in the message as well. This is where I want to start today. Women can and should lead with wisdom and character. Women can be strong, absolutely. And it is amazing to see a woman who leads with grace and poise and dignity. Deborah was judging Israel at the time. There weren't many leaders at all in the nation, and she would sit under this tree. She had a tree named after her, the Palm of Deborah, and the people would come up to her for judgment. So Israel at this point is a nation state. They are a conquered, oppressed nation, but the judge acts as the mediator who's settling disputes. 
This is a period of time, if you recall, where everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. But you still had some semblance of order. And the judge of this time was the de facto civil leader, the leader of the state. And in verse 6, Deborah calls up Barak and says to him, Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, and I will draw out Sisera to meet you by the river Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. So Deborah calls out Barak. She brings him into the situation and really challenges him to step up and to do what the Lord has promised that he would do. Notice that Deborah doesn't lead the army with sword in hand. She specifically recruited Barak to step up and be the muscle. And this shouldn't be controversial. Women are different than men. Men on average are made with more muscle mass and bone density than women. And when our world tells us that a woman can do anything a man can do, or that a man can be a woman if he wants to for that matter, They are devaluing and degrading the spectacular God-given differences that make women precious and beautiful. Modern-day feminism has made women more bitter, more depressed, and less happy than ever. Pick your study. Pick your stat. It's overwhelmingly obvious. The results are out there. And one of the ways modern-day feminism is tearing down women is by telling them, you're a warrior, that you can do everything a man can do, and not only that, but men are incompetent, and you can do it better. In the real world that God created, women are not better fighters than men for a variety of reasons. But our world that is driven by our enemy, Satan, who hates both men and women, he appears as an angel of light. So what's his play? You are a woman, hear me roar. You can do anything a man can do. So women believe this lie, they push men out of their lives, and everyone loses. We could seriously have an entire sermon series on this, but the Bible always always teaches that men and women are equal in value and in dignity. We are both created in his image. We are equal, but different. Men can do things that women are not as good at. Women can also do things that men are not as good at. Women can even do something that no man could ever do, and I've watched it happen four times. It's incredible. So men and women are equal. Deborah shows us that there's no reason why women should not lead in civil roles, in business, in politics. But that does not mean that a woman should do every role, just like a man should not do every role. A man is not going to be a good mother. He's just not. But the Bible beautifully complements men and women by giving them different roles. Men are to be leaders of their home. Men are also to be the elders who have authority in the church. So what we can take away from Deborah is that women can and should serve in every way that they are gifted, unless it's a role that is specifically given to men. Now, in this story in Judges, it predates the church, obviously. But in the Old Testament, there are three offices. 
And Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all three of those offices. Many of you know what they are, a prophet, priest, and a king. So some women, such as Deborah, were prophets. Some were judges. Again, Deborah here. And and you could, at this point in time, there's no king in Israel, but you could take this as the, the leader role, right? Queen, king, judge. None of these women were priests. Numbers 3 and Leviticus 21 show us that all priests were men descended from Aaron in the tribe of Levi. So throughout the Old and New Testaments, the Bible clearly teaches the role of men and women. And if you're honest with Scripture, and you don't let culture influence how you interpret Scripture, you should not have a problem with any of this. It's God's way. It's God's plan. I don't make the rule, but God did, and I'm going to accept that and trust that his way is higher than my way. At our church, we have women sing and speak, and our leaders of our church have combed Scripture thoroughly. I believe strongly that in the New Testament, it is assumed that women will speak in the church. You see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And maybe you're thinking right now about that verse in 1 Corinthians 14 that says women should keep silent. And that's only under the specific situation of the misuse of tongues and prophecy in the Corinthian church. And Paul's instruction there was that women are to keep silent and let the elders lead with authority. So that's the very clear and consistent message throughout the New Testament that women are not to have pastoral authority. The office of a pastor is to be given to a husband of one wife. And you may be thinking about 1 Timothy 2, where it says women are not to teach and exercise authority in the church. So the question there is, for people, is Paul condemning two things or one thing that he's expressing by two words? Like a hendiadas, like when we say, oh, that baby is nice and cozy. We mean the same thing. We're just using two words to say it. Not that the baby has an even temperament and is warm. It's just an expressive way to speak. So what do we do with that? Well, we have examples of women speaking in the New Testament church. I already told you about 1 Corinthians 11. It assumes that women will be speaking to the congregation. We also have an example of Aquila and Priscilla who were teachers in their local church to some capacity. So do I think that women can be pastors and teach with the authority of the pastor in the church? Absolutely not. You have to try really hard and do a lot of mental gymnastics to say otherwise. When Paul talks about this, you can't honestly make the case that this is a transcultural passage. Because even though 1 Corinthians 14 was specifically about an issue in that church at Corinth, in other passages of Scripture, in Romans specifically, Paul rests his case in the order of creation. So we can't just ignore this because we don't like it or it doesn't make sense to us. Paul is forbidding something. And there's plenty of evidence that women can and should do everything that's not specifically ruled out for them to do. So when 1 Timothy 2.11 says that a woman are not to teach or have authority— if it can't mean that women should never speak at church, because that would be inconsistent with other portions of Scripture, to me, it must be using those two words to say one thing. Women should not preach. They should not teach with authority. 
And it's one thing to read scripture. It's one thing to share a testimony, be led of the Spirit to say something that is edifying to the body of Christ. But it's very different to lead the church and preach the authority of God's word and protect the church in doctrine and error as an elder if you were not given that role and responsibility from God. So teaching with authority as a pastor and elder of a church, that is the role that is given exclusively to men, just like it was with the Old Testament priests. Women are free to use their gifts in every role except the one that God has reserved for men. And we can't be like the world and just demand what we want or attack men. We need to embrace the roles that God has given men and women to have. Men are to be leaders, not just in the church, but also in their homes. And of course, this doesn't mean that women are any less valuable. It means that God has roles for men and women who were created equally but differently to complement one another. And here's really why this is so important. Well, there's multiple reasons. Being faithful and obedient to God matters. God uses anyone, of course, and there's a lot of grace in the kingdom of God. But here's really what it comes down to. Your value as a human being does not rest in what you do. That is a lie from Satan, and it's a lie that our world is getting suffocated by. And it's the same lie that is wreaking havoc and division in the church today. Your value doesn't rest in what you can or cannot do. Your value as a human lies in who you are as an image bearer of God. Deborah led through wisdom and character and grace and poise and that's what God wants all of us to learn and God is the one who works through you to bring glory to his name and good into our world if we truly believe that what you do is intrinsically tied to your value well then the president of the United States would be the most valuable person in the world and a stay at home mom would not be as valuable now some people wouldn't say this but they believe that but when you step back and honestly think about it from that angle in that perspective I have to ask who is the one who's actually being discriminant your value in God's eyes doesn't have anything to do with what you do it's who you are and if you know Jesus you are in Christ and you are made in the image of God and that's why we value all human life so ladies you don't need to believe the lies the world tells you that a title or a more powerful position means you're more valuable. You don't have to erase your feminine qualities to be successful. If you're a woman, God made you to be a woman. And whether you're a congresswoman or a stay-at-home mom, your value is not in what you do, it's who you are. And when you are living in Christ and abiding in Him and you do amazing things for the glory of God, that is so valuable to this world. Our culture has lost that. And the church can't afford to fall into the same trap. It leads to comparison and eventually leads to despair. So ladies, discipline your kids with love. Love other women in your lives. Love the men in your lives like brothers. Men and women need each other. God intends for us to complement one another and the titles don't really matter. 
loving one another matters. Be who God has gifted you to be and lead with wisdom and character and grace, just like we see here from Deborah. Ladies, you're not called to hold the role of pastor, but that doesn't mean you're any less valuable. This is important because God's ways are higher than our ways. He is sovereign and he makes the rules. If we try to read into God's word what we desire, we minimize the authority of God's word and we place ourselves above that. And that's a very bad precedent. And it doesn't just end there. Time after time, it sets the tone for more compromise down the road. And this also matters because we can't let the world's philosophy determine our value and our worth. Your identity needs to be in Christ. Jesus was a servant leader. He didn't need to exalt himself or insert himself. He just lovingly sacrificed himself. That's our good shepherd. And that's what he's calling all of us to do. We need more shepherds in the pulpit, not more charismatic, take charge leaders. Lead how God has gifted you, and whatever your position is, lead with love. Well, I hope this was a helpful way to think through this topic for you. And if this conversation stirred any thoughts in your mind and you'd like to reach out to us, we would always love to extend this conversation and follow up with you. Love doing this. So thankful that we get to work through the book of Judges and have a few outtakes here on the Docs of Dialogue. See you again soon. You are loved. that as two limitations or one I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority is that two things or is it one thing yeah and syntactically that is according to the way the Greek sentence is put together it's two things but it's pretty close to one thing anyway yeah <laughs> that is the authority that was exercised in the early church right. was primarily through the word it, it was not uh, from some hierarchical structure or status um, so it, it sounds like a church recognized word-based authority, uh, what has come to be called a magisterial authority, a, a teaching authority, um, uh, which seems to be uh, the limitation that Paul has in mind. And that is in line with other texts that, that, uh, that, that one finds in the New Testament. To my mind, that's the focus of the, Interesting. 